blessed. What's it mean to be blessed? That's interesting. I bet if I say that, like there's all kinds of definitions that are going on in people's minds, all kinds of different pictures to live the blessed life. Somebody has an idea of, uh, of what their life would look like. What would your life look like if you were blessed? Maybe you already say you are. Maybe you're like, I'm already blessed, Pastor Jonathan. What's it look like? Are you living a blessed life? We've got a, a passage I want us to look at to kind of anchor our whole series called Blessed. And uh, Deuteronomy, way back in the Old Testament in the book of the law, first five books of the Bible. If you don't know where Deuteronomy is, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the fifth one. If you hit Joshua, you've gone too far. Deuteronomy chapter 28, starting in verse 1. There's just some really good stuff in here. I love this. I love these. Uh, there's about, about uh, 14 or 15 verses. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all the, these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your hands, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Some powerful verses. So that was a whole lot to read in one breath, huh? That's good stuff. Good promise. You can't go wrong just reading the Bible. I could just sit down, right? He just spoke about being blessed. 
I, there's a couple of things I pull out of this passage as we kind of lay the foundation and, and have this anchor our series. One is, is one word right here at the beginning, if. If. You're, you're blessed if. He, he, says, he says, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey. And there's this contingency on blessing that is all about obedience. And, and you find as you read the book of Deuteronomy and really the, the whole first five books of the Bible, as you come to this last kind of section of the, of the Torah, of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the law right here that Moses wrote, as you come to the end, it's if you obey everything that I've commanded you up to this point. If you, if you set your heart to obey, to obedience. It's a heart thing, but it's an obedience thing. I love, uh, as, we, as we move on, you start to see kind of what the blessing entails. It, it, it entails uh, nations. I'm going to bless you as a, as a nation. Imagine a whole nation. What would it look like for a whole nation to be blessed? For the Lord to bless a nation. I, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of um, a man named George Otis Jr. And he, he uh, was part of this whole transformation project where they'd go into um, cities and countries and they would set their heart in prayer with government leaders and different people and they would they call these these transformation videos and there was one country uh, if you've heard of the nation of Fiji and the Lord so blessed because of prayer because of revival because government leaders were coming together and saying we're going to do it God's way you remember the the verses in the Bible that that, that say you know if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will heal their land. And, and, and all the, so this is, it's real. So he's like, well, I'm going to put this to the test. And so they go into Fiji and they start this. And God not only blesses financially, but it's like the, he blessed the, so na- the, the nation so much that the crops were were like the best crops they'd ever seen. The water was the best drinking water ever. I mean, it was like the, the nation was blessed from the ground up. I wonder what it would look like if the Lord blessed a nation. Or what if he blessed your garden? What would it look like if he, uh, Lynn Gardens, right? You know, what would it look like if the Lord blessed your garden? I don't know. This whole deal of blessing. The, I, I like the phrase in this chapter that says the blessings will overtake you. What would it look like if the blessings of God overtook you? That it was so much that it was more than just, oh, I got a little token of blood. But what if, it, what if God's blessings overtook your life, overtook your family, this church? The commun- what if his blessings were just like a, like a deluge, like a, like a tidal wave? What would that be like? And again, as we're talking about blessing, it's all, there's all these different thoughts and definitions of what that would be. The blessed life. He blesses in the city. This... Uh, Deuteronomy 28 talks about in the city, and uh, it reminded me of Jeremiah 29, where uh, as the prophet was relaying the voice and the word of God, and he, and he, says, he says this, he says, uh, pray for the peace and prosperity of the city which I carried you into. Because why? If it prospers, you too will prosper. I love this whole deal of the blessing and the favor and the prosperity of God that's not just on a person, not just on a family, not just on a church, but what if a whole city? What if Carney experienced the blessing and the favor of God? And they were in a wicked city. 
They were in Babylon when Jeremiah was prophesying. God says, pray for the peace and prosperity of this wicked city, which I've carried. Where does Babylon come from? Bab, 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 Babel? Babel? What I do often? Yeah, the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11. And so he says, pray for the peace and prosperity of this wicked city because if it prospers, you too will prosper. That was interesting to me. I love, as you go on, prosperity also equals uh, fertility. He, it, here in Deuteronomy 28, he's talking about, about, the, about prosperity and blessing, that you're living the blessed life, that, that, that even, even fertility was a byproduct of, of this blessing that came out of diligently obeying land and crops all the farmers in here, wouldn't it be nice if your land and your crops and your cattle and your animals were all blessed? And what would it look like if they were blessed? The coming in and the going out. He said, I, I love that verse. He says, you, you'll be blessed as you come in, you're blessed as you go. It really, it, as I look at that, it's just like your daily activities, like whatever you do, whatever you set your heart to, whatever you put your hand to, it'll be blessed. What's, what's the, man, I, I really would like to understand What's that mean? Everything I put my hand to is blessed. I like the enemies defeated. That part of the blessing, part of living this blessed life is that my enemies are defeated. Any of you have some enemies that need to be, I'm not talking about names and faces, guys, but any enemies that need to be defeated in your life? God, in Deuteronomy here, he says that, that he will command the blessing on you. He will command the blessing. He'll command the blessing on your storehouse. He'll command it um, um, on all that you set your hand to. He goes on and he repeats about the fruit of your body and your livestock and your ground. And I love this place that he's going to open his good treasure, heaven, and it's going to release rain, but he also says it's also going to bless the work of your hand. It's this whole, what would happen if the good treasure of heaven was opened up and poured out on us? Malachi gives a kind of a parallel thought that says that, that he's going to open up the floodgates of heaven upon you, upon your, your home and your finances. And so as I was looking at the word blessed, there was a few things that came to mind and, and, uh, and some really some definition. And so uh, kind of for this series, as, just so that we're on the same page, this is where I'm at. Blessed is to bestow goodness and favor. How many like that all right? To bestow goodness and favor and to invoke such qualities upon another. God blesses people by granting prosperity or well-being in the form of both physical and spiritual grace. I like this, blessing, the definition is invoking goodness or favor or an oath or vow that results in prosperity. I love that. What if God blessed me? What if there was like an oath or a vow on my life that I would be blessed? By God. By God. And so the question for us to continue to answer, not only today, but over the course of this series, maybe over the course of your life, is am I blessed? Am I blessed? And you, some of you are getting nervous, too, because we're, now we're going to start talking about money. Right? You've got the little bit of the nervous laughter going on. The ha-ha. Ha-ha-ha-ha. 
right? Because he's talking, I'm, I'm talking to your neighbor. I'm not talking to you, right? Am I blessed? Am I blessed? Am I blessed in comparison to somebody else? What about that? You start to look and you're like, yeah, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But they're more blessed, right? Have you ever thought about that? You're like, I'm blessed. Or maybe I'm not blessed because blessing, it looks like that person. <laughs> in my mind, blessing means that person's home or that person's car or that person's bank account. I don't know if I'm, maybe I'm not blessed. And if I'm not blessed, then I'm, what am I? Cursed? Your brain, your, your, your brain starts to just go. You start to get on this, on this trail and you're like, well, I, I, wish I, I wish I understood what it meant to be blessed. You guys still with me? In comparison to, I think it's just dangerous to compare. And I, and I, I really look at this whole blessed life as in, it's not blessed life in comparison to Pastor Bo, although you're very blessed. But it's a blessed life in comparison to me. Just me before God? What's it, what's it look like, God, for you to bless me? Am I walking in obedience? Am I, am I doing everything I know to do to walk in a blessed life? And if I'm doing everything I know to do to be blessed, and I like in Deuteronomy it says that he would bless my, the work of my hands. There's a sovereign aspect of blessing, and then there's a co-laboring aspect of blessing. How many know that? How many know that because of obedience, there's a blessing I get to walk in, but there's also a blessing that's contingent on me doing? That me, whatever I put my hand to, whether I'm at home as a, as a stay-at-home mother or whether I'm, I'm out working in the fields as a farmer or whether I'm a businessman or whether I'm a missionary or whether I'm a pastor or whatever, that as I'm faithful to do, that there's a blessing that comes sovereignly out of obedience of, of, of uh, not sinning, Right? And there's a blessing that comes when I say, you know what, I'm actually going to do. You know, and, and in our natural eyes, our natural senses, blessing isn't always equal. How many know that if we were to, to line up everybody's bank accounts, if we were to line up everybody's families, right, children that are obedient and not obedient, right, you know what I'm saying? And, and we were to line up everybody, you know, all these different things that we would say, man, you're blessed, you know, and, and somebody might be blessed because they've got 12 children, right, and somebody may have none, and we've got, you know, and some are adopted, and some are, are foster, and some are natural, and you got all of these different things, and, and so we line up, and we're like, and we see this kind of this natural scale of, well, what's it mean to be blessed, You know that you can have lots of money and material things and not be blessed? That's an interesting concept to me. That there's actually people, because there's principles in the Bible that work. There's whole business books that are written that are based on biblical principles. And I'm like, wow. I mean, they, like God must, they must have consulted the Bible. Because sowing and reaping actually works, Right? And, and generosity, whether you're a believer or not, actually works. And, and you, can, you can do things that are just, you can work biblical principles because it's a principle. It's a law that God put in place. And you can actually uh, not be living a blessed life. Because the blessing in favor of God always comes down to a heart condition. It's always a heart thing. It's always a heart. You can, there, there, can be, there can be blessing 
um, you know, based on obedience, but there can, uh, you can have lots of money and material things. and not, You can have seemingly a little bit of money and a little bit of material things and not be blessed or be blessed. It really has nothing to do with what you tangibly have. It's a really interesting concept to me. You know that I can give with the wrong motives, and I could also choose to not give with the wrong motives. I mean, there's a whole deal here. I'm, I'm just, I'm intentionally trying to like pull on some strings and poke some buttons. Don't, so, so you'll be all right. You'll be all right. When we start down this road of talking about the blessed life and money and giving and all of these things, there's ditches on either side. There really are. There's a road that we're walking down, and there's ditches on either side of, this, of the, the conversation. And I want to point out the ditches as we get ready to talk about today's message. The one ditch is that poverty is holy. On one side of this road, you've got a ditch that poverty is holy. That, that the more that I can live at, at a poverty place or a poverty mindset, the more that I'm righteous, the more that I'm holy. It's a, it's a ditch. And, and, and in this ditch, Christians are not supposed to be wealthy. And in this ditch, we need to give everything away except exa- only what we need to survive. It's a ditch on one side of this conversation. Maybe you guys have heard of the ditch. Maybe you're in the ditch. And there's a ditch on the other side of the conversation as well. The other ditch is that wealth and riches are holy. Right? On one side, it's holy to be poverty minded and to have nothing. And on the other side, it's holy to have a lot and to, and to be wealthy and to be rich. And so you've got this ditch that if you're not wealthy, you're not blessed and you need to give in order to get and all of this stuff. And so you've got these two ditches and you've got this road. And I want to walk down this road and I want to just see together as a church, what could we do to agree with God, agree with the word, and to actually live the blessed life. Maybe some of you are. But wouldn't you want to know if you're not? Wouldn't you? I would. Wouldn't you want to know if, or if you could be more blessed? Wouldn't it, anybody in here? Would you like to be blessed? All right, all right. I'm, 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 like, I'm like manipulating a call right now. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, like, raise your, raise your hand. I would want to be blessed. I think you would want to as well. But if you don't, hey, that's all right. I'll take yours. <laughs> so what's the purpose? Why, why would we even be talking about bless? Why would God want to bless somebody? Why would God want to bless a church? Why would he want to bless a community? What's the purpose of being blessed? And, and I, would look, I, look, I look at kind of two things. First of all, God wants me to be blessed to be a blessing. How many would know that? Would you anybody agree that I'm supposed to be blessed to be a blessing? I'm kind of like a, like a, a, like a, a pipe or a, or a conduit that, that he blesses me so that I can bless other people. He blesses me so that I can sow into the kingdom, so that we can accomplish his purposes and plans. There's a, there's a blessing, there's a flow, there's a happens. I'm blessed so I can bless. How, would anybody agree with that? That we're blessed to be a blessing? Yeah? How, what would you also agree with this? Here's the other part. We're also blessed just because he likes us? What about that part? And this is the part that gets a little tricky because I'm blessed to be a blessing, but I'm also blessed just because I'm a son of the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. You're blessed just because you're a son or a daughter, right? There's an aspect of blessed to be a blessing, but there's also an aspect of 
He just likes me. He likes me. He really, really likes me. Did you know that? Maybe he likes you too. And so I'm blessed to be a blessing, but I'm also blessed because he likes me. I I love the, the quote or the thought that it would be silly to plant my bread and eat my seed. Does that make sense? It would be silly to plant my bread and eat my seed. There's an aspect of, I really have to come to this place. Lord, what am I allowed to consume, and what do you want me to plant? That's just wisdom. Lord, what do you want me to consume? In other words, what's mine? Man, my four-year-old's learned that word. What's mine, and what's supposed to be flow through me? To bless or to sow into the kingdom? What am I allowed to consume and what am I supposed to sow? Wouldn't that be a good question to know? And how many know that that's going to be a little bit different for each person? Wow. All right. That's good. There's a biblical truth here. And I want, right before we head into kind of the message for today, there's one last thought is that this, that biblical truth and principles have to transcend cultures and they have to transcend world conditions. In other words, what works here has to work everywhere. It really does. That if I talk about living the blessed life here in Kearney, Nebraska, it also has to work in, in Los Angeles. It has to work in New York. It has to work in Fiji and Trinidad and the, in the huts in Africa. It has to work all, it, the, the principles in his, it has to work everywhere. It, it's, it, this isn't just an American Bible, right? Does that make sense? And so as you look at the principles of, of blessing, prosperity, uh, peace and, and healing and all of these different things that we, that, that we declare and believe that are true, they also have to transcend culture. They have to transcend um, conditions. They have to work here as much as they work there. And, and so that's why when you look at blessing, that blessing is relative to what God is doing in that place, in that person, in that family, in that country. It's a, it, it's, it's a relative it's not a cookie-cutter deal. The principles have to work everywhere. Does that make sense? Here we go. Today's message is this. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. We're going we're gonna to hit this one off. We're gonna, I'm going to start off here with it's all about the heart. And, and it's, it, what a great place to start. Because we could, we could start working principles. We could start working all these different things, and they're going to work. But if you don't have the heart... If the heart isn't in the right place, then we've, we, this whole thing's going to come unraveled. And I don't want it to come unraveled. So it's all about the heart. Number one, this first part of, of this whole series is all about the heart. Matthew chapter 7, if you want to go there with me, starting in verse 1, it says this. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I just want to ask this question. Is the word money mentioned in those two verses? Anybody see the word money in there? The context is judgment. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, it, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The context is judgment. Judge not. Oh, and so everyone, let's just, can we just, just because everyone's sleeping today and, and I'm taking it personally. Could we just say this out loud? Say Say, repeat after me. Judge not that you not be judged. Ooh, I like it. I like it. That made me feel a little bit better. Let's do it one more time. Judge not 
that you not be judged. Uh, you guys kind of, you, you went a little bit too, too fast there. So let me say the whole thing and then you say it back. Judge not that you not be judged. Come on, you guys are all in like a junior high, uh, you know, youth group before, right? We, we got to do this, all right? And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Go for it. Yeah, Joni went a little bit too fast, so we're going to do it all over. We're going to do it all over again. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Right. Do you guys believe that? Is that true? Is that Bible? All right, I want you to look at um, a parallel passage in scripture. In other words, um, Matthew wrote it and Luke wrote it, and it was the exact same context and the exact same place and the exact same thoughts that they were written. at the, It was just Luke's version and Matthew's version. You want to see that? Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Not, you guys don't have to repeat it. We'll just, we'll, just, we'll just move on, okay? Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you used, it will be measured back to you. And, and so you see this parallel passage. It, the, this verse in the middle gets often misunderstood. That this, we, we look at this, and we see the word give. Um, when we hear the word give, how many think about money? Give and it'll be given back to you. Yeah, me too. Me too. And when I read this, I was blown away. I'm like, come on. I thought this was just talking about money. Uh, so um, someone may wonder, how often do I preach on giving? Anybody ever wonder how much? Or uh, Some of you are like, you should preach on giving a whole lot more. Any of you ever thought that? Or you should preach on giving a whole lot less. Well, here, here's, I'll, I'll give you a secret. I preach on giving every week. Every week we preach on giving. God gave, right? If you're a husband and wife, how many know that you're supposed to give? If you're children, you're supposed to give. If you're parents, you're supposed to give. If you're, if you're coworkers, you're supposed to give. If you're business, I mean, there's a whole deal of giving. How many know that it's not just about money? That there's a whole attitude of giving and, and, and not being selfish and giving of your time and giving, giving a, a, you know, of your good attitudes and sowing things that aren't always just money. That give, man, give represents all kinds of stuff here, right? Give. I, I, preach, on, I preach on giving every week. I preach on, on money. Um, well, this is the first time. <laughs> no. No, I preach on money well, ever, ever so often. But we preach on giving all the time. Because there's, a, there's an attitude of having an unlocked heart to give. Preach on giving every week. It's all about the heart. Uh, maybe, you've heard, maybe you've heard this. Maybe it's been you. But I would, I would guess nobody in this room. Maybe you've, uh, you knew somebody that would, like, all they want is your money. Have you ever heard that? And who would they be talking about? The church, right? Or the pastor, you know, the, the pastor and the church. All they want is your money. I'll tell you the truth here is that God does want your money. That's, that's, just, that's just, God wants your money. You want to know why? Because God wants your heart. God wants your money because God wants your heart. I, I, and, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news. And it's really awkward for me to say that, you know. Because, because I'm the pastor up here at the pulpit talking about money, saying God wants your money. 
He wants your heart. Well, what's the Bible have to say about that? It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Man, it, it's, it's not about the money, but it is, right? How many know that, that uh, we start talking about money and we start feeling like this, this, because there's a string attached to your heart in your pocketbook, right? Ah, and it kind of hurts because God wants your heart. He will go after your heart. He will always go after your heart. He's always going to go after the heart. He's never going to stop going after the heart. And so until there's like, you cut that string and there's no uh, emotion in the, in the giving category, if there's nothing, it's always going to be a heart issue. He wants your money because he wants your heart. He's always going to be after your heart. If he can get your wallet, he can get your heart. You can tweet that. Hashtag. Pastor Jonathan. He's after your money because he's after your heart. Where, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Uh, I like in, in this verse, just to bring context in Luke 6, because we often, verse 38, we often look at that as money. Here's the context. He's talking about judgment. He's talking about condemnation. And he's talking about forgiveness. He's not talking about money. So you could actually look at it like this. For with the measure you give judgment, you'll give judgment back. Luke 6. For with the measure you give judgment, you'll get judgment back. Now, guess what? The principle still works. There's a, there's a principle of sowing and reaping. There's a, there's a principle of, of giving and, and receiving. There, there, the principle works, and there's other places in Scripture, but it's important to look at the Bible and to be like, you know what? What's it actually saying here? Because, uh, and I've even done it before. I've taken Luke 6, uh, 38, and I've, and I've, you know, got up and talked about giving and the offering and, you know, give and it'll be given back to you, pressed down, all this. I mean, it's great. And it works. The principle works. But it's, you, it's good, good Bible to just understand what the context is. And in context, you give judgment, you receive judgment back is what the context is. Wow. So our main text today, if you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 15, is this. Verse 7 and 8, I think it's on the screen if you're too slow in your, in your Bibles or if your Bible app just died. Verse 7, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not burden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. That, that place, you shall not harden your heart. There's a, this is the thought for, for today is this. To the degree that my heart is unlocked and I walk in obedience will be the degree that I experience the blessing and favor of the Lord. God's looking for hearts that are unlocked. He's looking for hearts that are walking in obedience. And to the degree that my heart is unlocked and I'm walking in obedience will be the degree that I'm walking in the favor and blessing of the Lord in my life. Anybody agree with that? So there's four things. Um, four things and we're out. And we're actually going to, in case you were wondering, we're going to do communion at the end here in response to this message. Four things that we need to do if we're going to be, in, uh, be generous givers. Number one, we need to deal with a selfish heart. 
If you want to be a generous giver, number one, you need to deal with a selfish heart. And I'm actually going to show a video right here. Do we got a video for, for them to see? Dealing with a selfish heart. It's an interesting video. Deuteronomy 15 verse 9 says, Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, The seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. And so we got to understand, well, what's this, what's this verse talking about? And first of all, we, we see this, is that in Israel... Money was always loaned with the understanding that every seventh year, debts would be canceled. So there was no long-term debt in this sense. Money could never be borrowed or owed for more than six years. Wouldn't that be a great idea for us? I would enjoy that. Would any of you enjoy that? At least on the debt side of things, right? It would always be canceled, um, Every seven years. Uh, the law, uh, one thing for us to understand is that God instituted this law. And with God instituting this law, he never designed it to produce selfishness. He never designed it. That's why in this verse, he's, he's saying this. He says, uh, 
Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying that the seventh year of, uh, of um, that the seventh year the year of release is at hand. In other words, like uh, it's almost going to be the seventh year where the debt's going to be canceled. So I'm, I'm struggling with whether or not I'm going to loan you money. I'm struggling with whether or not I'm going to give because, man, it's going to be canceled just like that. And he says that's a wicked thought. In fact, he called it sin. And so the law was never designed to produce selfishness. God wanted Israel to be generous with those in need, even though the possibility of someone's debt to you being canceled was there. Number two, we have to deal with a grieving heart. You got to deal with a selfish heart. But how many know you got to deal with a grieving heart when it comes to giving? Maybe you've experienced this before. Deuteronomy 15 verse 10 says, you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. So selfishness attacks us before we give, but grieving attacks us after we give. Uh, Maybe none of you, but man, there's been times when I've given and I've been like, well, wait a minute. Like, I, I want to take it back, right? I'm like, I, I, I could have, like, paid a bill or, right? Or, or maybe I'm just, like, you know, wondering about the motives of that person. Are they going to spend it right? Or, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about all of this stuff. I'm, you know, it's, it's this grieving process. It doesn't happen all the time. But if I'm just going to be honest with all of you, every once in a while, I've given. And I'm like, whoops, I, I wish I, I want to take it back, you know? I, my wife's way more generous than I am, just for you guys to all know that about me. But in thinking of this, I just had a thought. Totally off subject, but I'm supposed to go out to lunch after this, and I don't have any, I forgot, I don't have any cash. I don't have any cash. Um, Where could I? Oh, dude. Thanks, and thanks for knocking my mic up. 50 bones? 50 bucks. Dude, I appreciate that, Bo. Thank you. Well, something that you maybe didn't, didn't know about Bo just now was that um, this wasn't his $50. <laughs> I, I actually gave it to him right before service and told him what I wanted to do here. And I said, would you, when I get to this point, would you? And I actually said, would you get up as soon as I said that? And then he sat there <laughs> making it really awkward for everybody. And it was actually, it was almost not going to work because I'm thinking somebody else is going to come up and give me money. <laughs> Maybe that was the plan. <laughs> no, no this, this was mine. I gave it to him before the service. And so um, this whole idea is, you know, he's not, he, you're probably not grieving over this. 50, you might be because you, you thought that you could just keep it. But really, Bo's not grieving. <laughs> that's, my, that's my Christmas money. He's not grieving because it wasn't his, right? It wasn't his money. He didn't lose anything. He gave me what was mine. You know, the reason why we grieve after we give is because we thought it was ours. That's a big deal. It's a big deal for us to understand that it's not ours, that we're managing somebody else's resources, and if I grieve after I give it away, I just told you guys I grieve sometimes too. So, right, the finger's pointing back. If I grieve after I've given, like my heart's already in the wrong place 
because it's not mine. I can't grieve if I'm giving somebody else's money away. Just like Bo. Anybody want? Just joking. <laughs> number, number three, listen to this. Develop a generous heart. And so we want to deal with a selfish heart. We want to deal with a grieving heart. And now we want to develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15 Verse 14 says, you shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press, from what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. He's dealing with the heart here. And in context, at, at the time of debt cancellation every seven years, um, they were also to release their slaves as well. And at that time, it was okay to have slaves for whatever reason, and it was, it was in there, and so they did it. But, at, but every seven years, they were supposed to release their slaves. Not only were they supposed to release their slaves, but they were supposed to bless their slaves from the, from the best of their blessing that they've received. And so they were to send, off, send them off liberally from their flock. They were supposed to, to send out their slaves with a bunch of stuff. Not only do you not have to work for me anymore, but I'm also going to give you a really, really, really huge bonus. This is what God instituted. Liberally from their flock, from their threshing floor, from their wine press, from what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give him. It was generous. It was, it was all about generosity. We think we're generous when we go through our house and take the stuff that we don't want and give to the poor. And I've done that, man. I'll, I'll go through and I'll, I'll be like, man, we need to do a garage sale or Goodwill, either one. Right? And... Uh, and we'll look and we're just, I just need a clean house. But when was the last time, I'm not pointing this at anybody, but just to kind of look at the heart a little bit. Like, when was the last time we, we decided, you know what, I'm just going to buy a bunch of brand new stuff and give it to the poor. We just had a video, was it last week, right? Of our, one of our, the ministries represented here, of, of the, the Lichties. I know that they never, you know, like to get the public recognition, but they're benign uh, ministries. And they got to take a bunch of kids to go uh, Christmas shopping and all that. And it was just cool. We saw the video last week. It was awesome. But how often, and, and I'm not saying that you got to go out there and do that today, but it's this deal of I think I'm generous when I go and get that shirt that I'm not going to wear again and go give it to somebody. Generosity. I, um, again, I was telling you I have a four-year-old. A lot of you guys know I have a four-year-old. And um, it's, this whole deal of generosity and sharing, right, you start to parent right now. And, and, uh, um, and I'm, not, I'm not the greatest at it, but I'm, we were getting ready to, to do, like, Christmas stuff, and we were going to, you know, we bought, we bought Kaylee a gift that she could give to Grandma and Grandpa. You know, it's at that age where, and so, so we bought a gift, and she was going to, you know, put her name on it. But she wanted to, you know, give something of her own, and so there was a bunch of, like, uh, pictures that she had drawn and colored and all that type of stuff, and so she did a really good job, and she had, like, four or five, and... Uh, and so I'm asking, so what do you want, which ones do you want to give? And she wanted to give this one. And it was like, it was like one scribble. It wasn't even a good scribble. There's like four or five others that were like immaculate, you know. Immaculate for like a four-year-old, like lots of scribbles. And there was like a one little. And so I just challenged her. I'm like, I'm like, you want to give this one to grandma and grandpa? Why not? I like these ones better. I want. I like these. I, I like these ones. So I want to give this one. And so we had a little bit of a parenting time. It didn't go my way, by the way. But we had a little bit of a parenting time as to don't be so selfish. We're gonna burn these in the fireplace anyways. 
Give the best. Give your best artwork to grandma and grandpa. <laughs> no. You keep that one. Number four, develop a grateful heart. You've got to develop a generous heart. We've got to develop a grateful heart. I want to watch a, another quick video here. Oh, develop a grateful heart, right? Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 15 says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. One way to develop a grateful heart is to remember where you came from, right? To remember where we came from. To remember the generosity of God. When he sent his son for us. I love this idea that we give because he gave. I give because he first gave. If I want to be grateful, if, I wanna, if I'm struggling in the grateful category, like maybe a couple of these kids with the pulp and the six flags, I, I need to remember. I need to stop and remember that we give because he gave. We're going to go into a time of communion actually right now. In response to this, and, uh, and if, if you're going to be helping me with communion, you can come forward. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. 
it's really, it really starts to show us that we remember God's generosity. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.